This is Alex. And this is Mason. And this is The Overcompetitive Bystanders. And this is our show where we share our strong opinions about things we don't know anything about. One of us favors college, one of us favors NFL. Let's see how this goes. So, the first thing I want to talk about is the Holy War game, BYU-Utah, that was played Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty good game. BYU came out pretty good, actually, initially. I was kind of surprised. They, early on, were playing pretty well, and I thought Utah was going to be in for another dogfight. Um, in fact, at halftime, it was only 9-6. to six. But, but the issue was that Utah's offense wasn't really converting as they went on. So the one touchdown that Utah had scored at, by halftime was a pick six. Um, that was beautiful because it was Francis Bernard that got it the former BYU player that got kicked off for drinking. He also was, was kind of a dick to the cops that were trying to arrest him. Um, and it was one of those things where like, he wasn't going to get kicked off the team. And then like a month later, actually there wasn't going to be any punishment. And then like a month later, the video of him, because the guy who lived across the hall was like quietly filming out his door, that video got out. And as soon as that video got out, he was he was punished and then he transferred to Utah. Um, I'm just shocked to hear BYU punish one of their players. As, even, even with video evidence. Like, the, the video is pretty bad because it like had uh, the kid or the cop was like, don't make me call coach. Like, and he was like clearly like not wanting to punish him at all because he knew he was a BYU football player. So it was a pretty bad look. Right. Um, but I mean, still, how many how many players have we seen play dirty? Nothing. Like we're gonna handle it internal. Yeah. Nothing happened. They got a stern yep. talking too. Exactly. That's the stupid thing. Is there's so many of those that there's just nothing. Like with uh, this past summer, one of BYU's wide receivers was caught drunk driving on campus, oh, and he. It was clear that there was some punishment going on, um, but no one knew about it because it was media day, and he was one of the like starting wide receivers, so he was supposed to be there, but he wasn't. There wasn't any talk of him. Nobody really thought anything of it. It was just kind of like, well, that was weird that he wasn't there. Maybe he had something going on at media day, not that important. Then it was like a week later that the Trib, um, Salt Lake Tribune, got the article, and let it out that he had been caught drunk driving. And then shortly afterwards, Utah announced or BYU announced that he was going to be punished. He's not kicked off the team. I think he's suspended for the year. Um, But yeah, it was similar where while it was not public, they didn't say anything. And then as soon as it got public, they, they let everything out. Yeah. But I'm wondering how much of that punishment happened after it came out like if it had yeah. come out how much they would have punished him yeah and, and it could have just been a thing where they were laying low yeah it's not necessarily a, a byu thing. thing like that's yeah. just a professional sports thing yeah that's just all i mean yeah all sports teams do that they're never gonna bring any bad press to themselves like right. it just doesn't make sense so in the second half zach moss really got going he's the utah running back and he looked so good. Um, he was just running over every single BYU player that tried to tackle him. It took like the fourth or fifth tackle every time. 
at the end of the night, he had 14 broken tackles. Beautiful. He had over a hundred yards. I believe it was 120 yards of uh, yards after contact. <laughs> and he rushed for 187 yards. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and some of those times he really didn't get touched until the line of scrimmage. BYU did a fairly good job most of the time of getting into the backfield. They just couldn't tackle him. They couldn't do anything. And the other thing that happened was Bradley and I, the defensive end for Utah, who is incredible, was just too good for BYU's left tackle because like every single play, their left tackle would fall start. Every single play, but they never called it. But it was every single time he was he was going a little early. Yeah, I point that out to you. Every single play you could count on him jumping. Like Yeah. I understand missing it once, twice. You see it all the time, and especially it happens on a big play and everybody loses their mind. Mm -hmm. I'm talking, watch the game again, people. Every single play, this guy took a step early. Not once did they throw a flag. And he still couldn't keep up with him. Yeah, and he's still still getting beat. Yeah, like the video or the highlight of when Zach Zach Wilson threw the first pick six to Francis Bernard, uh, you can see that Anai gets going. The the left tackle false starts. They don't call anything. But Anai gets going, gets around him, and then ends up being the one that puts the pressure on Wilson and almost tackles Wilson to where Wilson makes that bad throw. Right. So that's it, it. BYU is just, I mean, they looked better than I thought they would. They They didn't look terrible, but it was very clear that they did not have an answer for Zach Moss. They did not have an answer for how athletic Utah is. And it just happens. I mean, Utah's the number 14. They just moved up to number 13 in the country. What are you going to do? You can't, you can't expect them to win that. Um, it's just that, that streak for Utah is getting long. It's at nine now. It's been yeah, 10 it years. Going it's going to be. Decade, well, when's the next time they play? Next year oh, in October. Um, okay, so they will go or September. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it will hit a decade because it, it is uh, November of 2009 was the last time that BYU won. Okay. So it's pretty, it's going to be a while. Um, I will say this, and I never thought I'd say this. BYU looked like they had a better special teams than Utah. They did, yeah. Utah special teams was not good. It wasn't, and that's surprising. Utah has always been a special teams team, even when they weren't always in the top 25. They've always had a special teams, and their defense has always been slightly above average to, you know, outstanding. Yeah, yeah, like their kickers. Oh, that kicker was awful. Yeah, they did switch kickers at the end, Um, and he did better. Because they switched from Andrew Strach to uh, Jaden Redding. And Jaden Redding only had two kicks. And he made them both. They were both extra points. But you never know. like Because he missed a chip shot field goal and a PAT. And that just doesn't happen. It was like the first of like 180-something PATs that Utah had missed. Uh it was like one of the longest streaks in the nation. Yeah, they used, then, their kicker was automatic. Like, yeah, and now, ugh, spe- 
That's the question. Covering yep. the kicks. The punter wasn't great. It's mm-hmm. just overall their special teams didn't look good. Didn't look great. Yep. It'll be a big question this year. That could be a liability. And my other which, question that I had, the same question last week was Huntley. I didn't yeah. think Huntley had an outstanding game. He, he didn't turn yeah. over the ball, which I guess is all he needed to do in this game. <laughs> yeah. But later yeah. on in the season, he's going to have to do more than that. Yeah. And, so, and I do think, I think a big part of it was Utah didn't feel like they needed to do anything. I think they only had five plays where they threw the ball, or maybe it was less. Um, it has to be less. But there was only like three plays or so where they threw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. And, you know, Huntley went 13 for 16 and had 100 yards passing. So he was completing passes. He just wasn't going deep because they didn't need to. So that'll be the real question. Um, I don't think they'll be tested this next week against Northern Illinois. But then the following week is USC, I believe. Stanford. Uh, the following week's a test, and that's one that I am a little more curious about. Um, yeah, Utah's got USC in two weeks, and that'll be three an weeks. actual test. Uh, oh, yeah, three weeks, because then they'll have Idaho State. Um, and then after that, they have Washington State, and that's another good test. So um, we'll get two weeks where really I don't think the answer of Huntley is I don't think we'll have an answer, but um, after that, we'll have the answer real fast on if he's good enough, but we'll see. But my favorite part was post game Huntley, uh, because he, they, they were talking to him and he talked about how he's a senior and he never lost to Utah or he never lost to BYU. And that is a point of pride. Um, And he talked about how with BYU, um, Utah's never going to lose to BYU because, quote, they so poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I love it so much. Because you can't get mad at that if you're a BYU fan. Like, is calling you poo-poo? Like, what are you going to be like? Oh, no, that's vulgar. Like, no, it's so childish. It's so stupid. And it's such a perfect insult. Because... It gives the idea that he can't even be bothered enough to have strong emotions about BYU. I mean, the past four years, he hasn't had to. They no. Been, I mean, I guess... The games have been close, historically. Yeah, this d- is the first despite one Despite BYU not being a very good team the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I just loved it. It was just like, they so poo-poo. Um and I really want that to be like be a thing. Like I tweeted when Tennessee lost to Georgia State. I tweeted Tennessee so poo poo. <laughs> that's like my favorite phrase right now. Is just poo poo. That is because that's not lock. Like so many of the things players say post game is like bulletin board material. You know, right. like y- somebody will stand up and be like, "Oh yeah, like the BYU defensive line just couldn't handle us." And so then what BYU is going to do is they're going to print that off, they're going to stick that on a board, and they're going to be like, yeah, we, they said we couldn't handle them. Let's go show next week that we can handle them. Or the next year when they play them, they didn't think we could handle them. We're going to handle them. You can't put on your bulletin board poo-poo. Like, they think we poo-poo. Show they them think we we're poo-poo. poo-poo. 
Yeah, we're not poo-poo. That's just my favorite. It's such a stupid insult. And it's just like, it can't motivate BYU at all. Um, I like the way that Zach Wilson played Loth. He, they asked him about it, and he just went, yeah, that's their thing. And then just like kept going. Because really, that's all you can do. You can't be mad. You can't compliment it. Yeah. You just, whatever. It's whatever. And, yeah, and that's perfect. That's like the best way to get in their heads is just just dig at them. So that was perfect. That was like the main reason I wanted to talk about this game is it was a good game. Uh, Utah looked really good. It didn't necessarily answer the question of whether or not they'll be competitors for the playoff by going undefeated primarily and winning their conference. But it's the first test and they passed it. So I liked it. Yeah, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. Yep. It was yeah. a very competitive first half. Zach Wilson probably looked like the better quarterback for two to three quarters of that game. Yeah, he and looked he, young. He looked like oh, he was making mistakes and pressured, but he looked good. I mean, yeah, he's he was definitely a true freshman. Uh, a right? sophomore. Or that sophomore. same thing. Yep. True sophomore. Though. True sophomore. Yeah. yeah. Second coming of, Joe, or of uh, Steve Young is who mm, it is. Sure. I didn't see that. Now there's, you gotta go look at. Uh, there's a Twitter account, Cougar Board Logic. It's really good. They just pull the crazy things that they say on Cougar Board, which is BYU's biggest fan board. And then you just tweet them, and boy, are they crazy sometimes. Oh man, they are impressive. How wild they are. My favorite but, and least favorite thing about BYU fans is just the, some of the shit that comes out of their mouth. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and like most fan bases have pretty stupid stuff, but Cougar Board is, uh, there's not many that are that bad. Um, although Utah State's uh, USU fans got to that level this past weekend as well. It anti- drove me Jordan crazy. Love? Mostly anti Gary Anderson. Um, my favorite were the people that were anti uh, the offensive coordinator. And I was sitting there, I was like, we had 600 yards of offense, basically. How? What What did they do wrong? What yeah. was it that they didn't do? I don't remember ever a play. I'm like, why Why the hell did you call that play? Like, this yeah. is stupid. Yeah. We One of the plays. screen pass every other down this year. Exactly. Yeah. One of the plays that they, that they got pretty mad about, and I don't know. I see the argument, but it's ve- it's hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, they didn't like that when we were so Utah State was up by four with two and a half minutes left. It was third and four at like the thirty or forty yard line uh, at Utah State's thirty or forty, and Utah State uh, just tried to run it up the middle on third down and four and they didn't get it and so then it was like fourth and two and then we punted wait got the ball ran it or like went back down scored and won it well they didn't like that we ran the ball there because our running game wasn't doing super well and loves the you know our passing game is what's great loves great and so they were like yeah this is what we should have done we should have passed it we can normally get four yards on a passing down would be fine they'd expect the run but my thing is you have to run the ball there because if you pass it 
and it's incomplete, you just saved Wake Forest a timeout. Exactly. Uh, they had to burn their, their third timeout on that third down run. And so if we don't get it, it helps Wake out so much more than if we run it and don't get it. And either way, if we do get it, it's game over with very little exception. I think assuming we didn't get the next first down, uh, there would have been like 20 seconds left on the clock or 10 seconds or something like that. Realistically, it's done. Survive the punt, you know, whatever. It should be okay. Um, right. I like running for it there just to say, because you make Wake burn that timeout no matter what. But at the same time, I do wish that uh, I like I, I I like the idea of mixing it up and going for a pass there. But it is just the idea of hindsight's twenty twenty. If, if we would have got it, no one would have cared. No if, one would have been criticizing it. If he had called the pass, he threw an incomplete pass. Everybody yeah. would say, "Why didn't we just run it there? We would have wasted yeah. their third time out. We could have held up on defense." Yep, they would have been like, "That's coaching one hundred and one." Uh, so People that was a big thing. They were mad about that. Probably should have won. Yeah, that was a big thing. It was a game we should have won. It was a, it was at a P five school, and it feels like every single time Utah State plays at a P five school, it ends like this. It ends with that they should have won and they didn't, and that sucks. So, um, Love did have a little bit of a disappointing game. He threw three interceptions. He only threw six all of last year, I believe. Um, so having maybe he threw for more than six, but um, having it be where he threw three interceptions, which is the most he's had in a game in his career, um, isn't great. He did have four or three touchdowns. He threw for 400 yards, so he did well. He just threw so much. Right. Um, he threw it like 50 times throughout the game. And, and the first so, interception just seemed like Rust, like Trevor Lawrence threw the exact same pick in his game. The the pick yeah. looked almost identical to his to each of their first. The second yep. one, he tried to force the throw in the in the end zone. The defender made the play. Like it wasn't yeah. like it was one of those like what the hell are you doing? It was like oh, the defender outplayed the wide receiver. Maybe he shouldn't thrown it. But, yeah, maybe not the best decision, but you got to take risks. And, and the third one was just—it was kind of bad. Yeah, third one. I it, the issue is they were in field goal range. They were well within field goal range because of Eberly. I had to laugh. ESPN had the line uh, for like field goal range for Eberly at like I think they had it at the forty or like the thirty-eight or something like that. And I was like, I've seen Eberly hit fifty-five yarders in game, so. We're well within range. Um, there were 17 seconds left on the clock, and I just i I think Jordan thought that that uh, that defensive back, I think it was, I think it was a corner that picked off, was going to stick with the wide receiver that was up front, but they had kind of sunk down to the middle between the two players, and so when he tried to float it over them, it was just low enough that they were able to snatch it. Or if they would have been a yard or two yards forward, um, they wouldn't have been able to get up for it, and it would have been complete. And it would have—I mean, it was going right for the sideline. It would have put us at like the twenty-yard line. It would have been another first down with fifteen seconds left, made it an easier shot for Everly, if not given us a shot at the end zone. It just—he—he he 
misread where that was happening. So a plane went for it. I don't. Yep. I he usually throws it a little better than that, but I don't. Yep. Because one of those like, oh, okay. He yep. went for it. Yeah. So he yeah. So looking at it, last year he did throw six interceptions. This year he's already thrown three, but last year's passer rating overall was a one fifty eight, and this year it is a one fifty. So, I mean, one it, game. Yeah, probably one of our tougher opponents this year. One of our tougher opponents, um, and he he had a little bit below average game. Oh well, you know it sucks. Um, Herbert was kind of a similar thing though, where I wasn't super impressed with how Herbert did. Um, both quarterbacks that are being hyped for next year's draft, um, he did okay. Looking at the stats, I think his QBR was like a forty something. Uh, Jordan's was like a 64. Um, and then mostly I was disappointed in Herbert at the end of that game. That that last pass where Awful. he just threw it 10 yards out of the end zone for their home area chance to win. It's like, come on, man. Like, I, I know you got some adrenaline going, but you got to be under control. You got to know what you're doing. He wasn't about to get hit either. Sure, there was pressure, but he had no. time to to throw a good ball and he just threw it away just tossed it over yep which which really sucks really really sucks so yeah so i wasn't super impressed with with herbert um love did okay tua looked great um oklahoma and jalen hurts looked incredible mm. i loved it it was so cool it's amazing how oklahoma is probably going to have a third straight player win the Heisman. I mean, probably. It's pretty good. Yeah. If we go off game one, he won the Heisman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Looking at it, so his his QBR, uh, which is out of 100, his QBR was a 96.7. Oh, damn. Yeah. That That's, was absolutely incredible. That is incredible. That is yeah. beautiful. Now, and Tua, it's not like they're playing a terrible team. Like Houston no, isn't. Houston's good. I mean. Like, they were in top 25 I, contention all last year. Yeah. Houston's a top G5 school consistently. Um, they just spent a boatload of money for Dana Holgerson. So, I mean, that should be something. But, no, Houston is no. I mean, he didn't do that to Kansas. But he does get Kansas later this year, so we'll get to see how much fun he has there. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things where he just ripped it up. He looked great. It's week one. Offenses normally just get better as the season goes on. Right. He's going to be mowing it. Now, Tua did have a QBR of 94. Um, so, I mean, it's not like Tua's bad. Tua was incredible too, but that was a little bit more of a yeah. You should be doing that to this team. Yeah, I see. I saw his stat line. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I expected. Yeah, Duke's not that good. No, Duke's. We'll talk about Duke, but yeah, yeah. yeah, So Duke isn't very good. No, Duke's not very good. So I wanted to talk a little bit because one of the interesting topics that came up a lot this week was how. Oregon needed to beat Auburn to save the Pac-12, to make the Pac-12 look good. Um, 
which I do agree with. That loss by Oregon to Auburn hurts the conference in general because the top of the Pac-12 has not had marquee wins the past little bit. You know, they haven't been in the playoff. They had, you know, last year Washington lost to Auburn. Like every year, it feels like the top of the Pac-12 can't beat the top of these other conferences. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just it feels like such a fallacy to say that the Pac-12 is just falling behind the other four power conferences. I, I, did you watch the first half of that game? They looked dominant. Yeah, they it looked good. It was, it was a oh, this game's about to get out of control, and then they lost. Mm-hmm. Both starting running backs. Yep. That's huge. That was the biggest part of their game was the running and then going into the pass, going to deep pass. Opening it up. Yep. And and to have both of them go down is just it was huge. Uh, yep. uh, one of them came back eventually, or I think actually by the end of the game, both of them came back. Yeah. But but the then, momentum had swung and yeah then, yeah by the by then it was a close game and they were passing more like they couldn't just keep the the clock running running the ball. Mm-hmm. So, no, yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, momentum was gone. There was that bullshit in- intentional grounding call. The running back's right there. He had just been hit. Come mm-hmm. on, yep, you suck. And, yep. And to be fair, bad. that's my actually that's my second beacon. The, the the targeting in the Northwestern Stanford game that wasn't called. Oh yeah, that was crazy. pretty bad. Yeah. But besides that, the intentional grounding is the only other big grievance I have from this weekend. Yeah. I can see why they called it. So the yeah. targeting call, on the other hand, it wasn't close. Like I do yeah. not know how the replay officials upstairs watched that in slow-mo and were like, yep, that's the legal play. There yep. was no you know, it's intentional yeah. contact. He didn't you know, lower his elbow and go straight into the helmet. You're right. It was throughout. Yeah, for real. <sighs> No, it's pretty bad. But so I, I have a little quiz for you. Can you tell me in order? So I, I like the SP plus. It used to be the S and P plus, but Bill Conley has now changed it to the SP plus um, rating system. It ranks every team. So if we take the average SP plus rating in each conference, in what order do you think the power five conferences go? Oh God, I don't know. Um, well, I would probably put ACC. Uh, are you going top to bottom or bottom to top? Top to bottom. But okay. I have a question: Are we are we talking the conference overall? You said average. Average. Yep. Okay, then I'm taking that back. Because while Clemson looked dominant, the rest of them, besides Wake Forest, looked like dog doo doo. Yeah. Um, I would go Big Ten. Okay. SEC, Pac-12. Probably Big Twelve, ACC. That was. That was so close. That was, like, incredibly close. So it is SEC, uh, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12, 
ACC. That was good. Uh, I'm claiming SEC bias there. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) SEC is so... Well, okay, so here's the thing. The SEC West is so incredibly deep and talented. The SEC East is so poo-poo. Because really, in the SEC East, Georgia is probably the number three team in the country. Maybe you argue that Oklahoma is number three. Either way, you know, they're right there. Uh, Florida, they looked not great against Miami, but they're still a top team. There's really no one else. (laughs) Uh, Tennessee just lost to Georgia State um, at home. Missouri just lost to or to Wyoming. Uh, Kentucky's not very good. Vandy's not very good. Um, it's just not. It's not a great. And South Carolina also just lost to North Carolina. So when you look at the East, it's not like you. You have a very top heavy. Georgia's great. Florida's good. But then when you look at the West, Alabama's incredible. Um, Auburn's incredible. Texas A&M's really good this year. Uh, Mississippi State's pretty good. Ole Miss doesn't look that good this year. Arkansas is not that great. Um, but in general, it's and LSU is great. And so it's a very there's a lot of top teams, and then the bottom teams are even mostly pretty good. So. The, the rating system, they give each team how much they would beat the average team by. And the average SEC team would beat the average college football team by 16 points. Now, Bama pushes that average a lot. <laughs> yeah. they, they heavily pull that. But it's, I mean, Georgia and everybody else too. The Big Ten, 9.1. Uh, the Pac-12 is 7.5. The Big 12 is 7.4, and the ACC is 6.1. And 5.7 of that is Clemson. Yeah, for real. Yeah, because Clemson is the number one team in the SP Plus, and they're like plus 36. So that means that on average, the rest of the conference is like plus two. Or plus three, maybe. Or minus. Yeah. Or minus, yeah. And so it really, yeah, Clemson very much carries the bulk of that conference. Mm. Now, the other one that I wanted to talk about was with the Mountain West and the American. So with UCF's success and with how Memphis and Houston and, and South Florida have done well, it makes the Mountain West, it makes it look like the ACC or the AAC has been the stronger P7 conference or P6 conference is what they like to call. But last year, the Mountain West finished higher. And this week, uh, the Mountain West did great. Mm -hmm. So the Mountain West had wins over four different P5 conferences. (laughs) The Mountain West beat the SEC, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big Ten. Uh, They had wins over all of them. With Nevada's win over Purdue, that's the Big Ten. Wyoming over Missouri, SEC, um, Hawaii beat Arizona, that's Pac-12, 
and then Boise State beat Florida State, and there's your ACC. The only conference it didn't beat is the Big 12, and they didn't play the Big 12 this week. Nice. In fact, looking on the schedule, I don't see the Big 12 playing any Mountain West team. The Big 12 struggles enough with FCS teams. <laughs> um, they're, they're not scheduling uh, any, uh, any Mountain West teams. You're not a Texas fan? I mean, Texas is okay. I think they got... They're not back, but... Yeah. Uh, also, I have to say horns down um, because of, of grad school, but yeah, horns down. Okay. But but no, in general, they're okay. Yeah, I agree. They're not back, but... So, yeah, the Big 12 this week only played three FBS teams and played seven FCS teams. And in general, some of those... like. Um, who was it? Iowa State went to triple overtime <laughs> with Northern Iowa. Yeah, it was a great game. I love the ending of it. But yeah, they that team playing against Wyoming or Air Force or Colorado State would not have. It wouldn't have gone to triple overtime. That's for sure. No, I don't remember who it was, but I believe somebody put Iowa State in their top twenty-five preseason teams. There were some, yeah. Iowa State some got some with Iowa State. Yeah, they struggled with. Yeah, they didn't do well. It was not a great look, no. and they almost lost it. So it was triple overtime, and Northern Illinois or Northern Iowa went first, and they made a field goal because their offense was not doing well. Most of their touchdowns that game were defensive touchdowns, but they made a field goal in triple overtime, and then Iowa State went and they were driving, and it was third and one from like the four yard line. And they dove it up the middle, and they fumbled it. And in the scrum at the one-yard line, they came up with it. But Northern Iowa should have got that ball. And if they would have, that's game over because it was triple overtime. And Iowa State would have won. So it was that close. Um, so, yeah, I just feel like right now, like with, even with Oregon's loss uh, to Auburn, the Pac-12 is in a really good spot. The problem is, well, maybe not really a good spot, but they're in a good spot. The Pac-12 is so condensed. There's not a lot of top Pac-12 teams that are great. I mean, Oregon, Washington, Utah are good, but they're not Alabama. They're not Clemson. They're not Oklahoma. They're not Ohio State. But there's not – but so much of the conference is in that top section. Right. You basically have – Oregon State, who's a bottom dweller, and then like Arizona, Colorado, like Cal, even though they're not great, they still are competitors. Um, and so, although the Pac 12 didn't do so well, they still had, um, they still went six and four against FBS schools. And like the SEC went seven and and four, so is it really that big of a difference between the SEC and the Pac-12? There, I think top uh, heavy, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's a top heavy situation, but the bottom of the SEC is falling out, right? And so it it makes it a big difference. And that top is what people read as the conference, and it shouldn't, but it will be good. Um, so I want to talk about three games for this week. They'll be pretty short previews. 
So Clemson, the number one team, is playing Texas A&M, the fighting Texas Aggies. Um, they're playing at Clemson. Right now, Texas a is like ranked 11 or 12 or something like that. And Clemson is favored by 18 points. And frankly, I think it's probably smart to bet the over on that one. Clemson hasn't lost a game or hasn't won a game by less than 20 in like 11 games. And that includes the national championship against Bama. Clemson's good. I'm, I think Texas A&M is probably going to be maybe their hardest game of the year. Second hardest, maybe. But it's not going to be much of a challenge for them. They should blow through A&M, and, and it shouldn't be much of an issue. Then the next one is the game that College Game Day is going to, which is Texas LSU. That's a really interesting one. I'm glad that the Game Day is going there because it's a game that I think will actually be close. Um, and I think Texas will do well. I It's at Texas, and I think that could be the deciding factor. But I think LSU's great. Joe Burrow looked really good this past week, LSU's quarterback. Um, I have uh, I have Texas winning, but barely, probably by two or three points. Okay. Um, and then the last game is Stanford versus USC. And this was a much more intriguing game last week looking forward. But now JT Daniels, the USC quarterback, tore his ACL against Fresno State. So it's now, I believe it's a freshman that they're putting in who ha- he's going to have control. And we'll see. He, he did okay at the end of the game against Fresno. Um, they almost blew that game. They should have probably won it by more. But he'll have a whole week of practice under him. I, I think Stanford will pull it out and look good. Uh, but part of the reason I wanted to mention this is because ESPN had a slip-up in the Fresno State USC game. So I texted you a picture of this. So if you look at the schedule that they have, they have USC's first six games. And it's Fresno State um, and then versus number 25, Stanford. Then it's a bye. Then it's against number 14, Utah, number 13, Washington. And then it's at Notre Dame. So the general discussion was it would not be hard to see them lose every single week for the first six weeks. Right. Um, now they did beat Fresno state. So maybe they fixed it a little bit, but they can still, if USC doesn't have things right, the wheels, wheels are coming off fast. Oh, yeah. But the slip up that they had in here, that was hilarious. Was that bye week on September 14th is not a bye week. They play BYU that week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bye week. Even for USC, that's a bye week. So no it was either them just throwing shade at, at BYU with, with uh, yeah, they'll be fine. It's a bye week. Yeah, I mean. Or it's a typo, and they meant to type BYU, but they typed an E at the end, which was a bye. Yeah. I, I'm sure <laughs> it was I love a typo, it. but... That's hilarious. It fits so well. Some was, people were saying that it's a doctored image. Um, but people are saying, no, I watched the game live. That's what they had up there. Mm-hmm. And people have, like analyzed the photo and stuff. And no, that's what they had up there. It was pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, USC could completely fall apart within the next six weeks. 
um, with maybe their only wins coming against Fresno and BYU. And frankly, who knows with how things go against Stanford, they may not even be BYU. And so they may, could, they may be one in five six weeks into the season, which is pretty crazy. But it'll be it'll be funny. So yeah, we'll see. Yep. So I I have one question after after this past week. Okay. Would you change your playoff predictions after seeing this first week? Let's see. So I had with Clemson. I had Clemson, Alabama, Alabama, Oklahoma, Oklahoma Utah. Utah. No, no, probably not. Um, there's a level of Ohio State sneaking in there, but I still think Ohio State or Michigan, they have to go through each other. They have to go through Penn State. They have to go through Michigan State. Their schedules overall are hard enough that I think they'll knock each other down a peg, even if they just have one loss. And I think a one-loss Ohio State will probably get passed up by an undefeated Utah if Utah's undefeated. Um and so, no, I think I'll probably keep it at the same point. Okay, and I think that's the difference between you and me. The if they go undefeated for me is a lot bigger. Okay. Because like, last week when I agreed with you, I just assumed when you said there wasn't much to stop them going undefeated. After They play Washington State, which I realize isn't a great team. They're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. But there's always a chance to lose there. And then they have to yeah. play, you know, you Cal, who's eh. they play Washington, which is going to be a tough game. Washington, I, yeah, I think that's the challenge. That's the one that knocks them. If anybody knocks them before the conference championship, and then I know they're awful this year, but every year Utah has trouble with Arizona. Every yeah, the Arizona schools are so always. I I just see so many places for them to trip up, and Huntley did not convince me that he can lead this team undefeated. Zach, yeah. if Zach, if, if Zach Moss was was the leader of this team. A hundred percent, they could win the playoffs. He's the best. Mm-hmm. I believe he's the best running back in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I Huntley it just did not convince me. So, okay, we'll I, see. I would, I would probably say either Michigan or Ohio State steals that game, and most more likely Ohio State after watching Michigan's first game. Yeah. But, okay, that makes sense. I'll buy that. All right, and then I had a question for you, but we'll save it for next week. Okay. All right. And then this week, I'm going to continue my season previews, starting with the NFC West and the Rams, who just broke news while we were uh, actually recording this podcast that Jared Goff has signed a four year extension worth $134 million and $110 million of that guaranteed. Uh, for comparison, Wentz earlier this year signed a four year $128 million with $108 million guaranteed. So. So just barely more. Yeah, and I think that was on purpose. I think it was like, eh, we're just going to do a little more than Wentz. And whether that was Goff pushing, like, hey, you need to give me more than Wentz. Or yeah. they were like, I don't, I don't We'll see. But overall, as a Rams fan, I'm excited. Um, Jared Goff has gotten a lot of flack, especially after that Super Bowl, because you know, people are stupid and only watch the Super Bowl and then assume that's how he played all year. <laughs> that's that's how he plays, yeah. Yeah. Um but it it is it is weird because because he was picked first and Wentz was picked second, 
they're going to be tied forever in their whole careers. They're going to be compared for their oh, whole yeah. careers. It, it, we've seen it so many times in the past. It, it's just it's just how it goes. I mean, it's the eternal rivalry, like Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I hope my brother doesn't listen to this because he's an Eagles fan, and I don't want him to hear me saying this. When he is healthy, so far, Wentz has been the better quarterback. And I think wow. that's due to one, one, one thing of his game, and that's it. Wentz under pressure is amazing. We've seen so many times Wentz under pressure, he somehow sneaks out of the pocket and throws deep downfield and scores his team a touchdown or you mm-hmm. know, just makes these amazing plays. Jared Goff so far has crumbled under pressure. Um yeah. We saw it in the Bears game, the Lions game, when 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 they got a rush in and they're pressuring Goff, he makes bad decisions, he makes bad throws, and he he kind of he just doesn't play well under pressure. I think I think with McVay, um, that gets that gets coached out. I think he gets okay. better, and I think if in 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 uh, I think it's six years now, it'll be ten years. So after mm-hmm. ten years. Jared Goff will be the better quarterback. But I think so far, while he's healthy, and that is a big when he's healthy because he hasn't yeah. been healthy, Wentz is the better quarterback. Um, I think that changes over the next couple of years. Okay. Um, but looking back at the Rams, they have they had a top O-line, or top 10 O-line last year. We did lose two starters in Saffold, our left guard, and Soli, our center. Um, mm-hmm. and we played some with Joseph Noboom and Brian Allen, who are both second year sophomores, I guess. Um, who we'll see how they do. That's going to be a big, big if this year is, is can they pick up where Saffold and Sully left off? Um, mm-hmm. they also had a top five D line and that's not just because of, but mostly because of one guy, Aaron Donald. Yeah, the sexiest man to play the game. Um, <laughs> not in looks, just the way he plays the game. And I, I could probably leave it at that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give you one, one stat to show you how good Aaron Donald is. If you rank his win rate against double teams, he would rank third or fourth when ranked against guys who are facing single blockers. Wow. That is insane. Double, That's incredible. He gets, he gets he gets double blocked or double teamed more than any other player in the league, and he has a win rate that that would be third or fourth if compared to people who are just normally playing. Wow, he's That's he's just good. an insane player, and he gets better every year. Um, so, um, and 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 people talking about the Rams. I obviously have the Rams winning their division. Um, and I think. Ten percent of that is bias. I think ninety percent of that is just they're the better, the best team in the league. Um, the only reason you could say they weren't going to win the NFC West and are going to take a, a big step back is because they lost the Super Bowl. And people talk about the Super Bowl hangover. Mm. I was at their training camp. I didn't see a hangover. I didn't see a team who just lost the Super Bowl. I saw a team who just won the NFC Championship. Hmm. And and in talking to their players, that's what their mindset is we won the NFC championship. We did great last year. Yes. We pooped the bed in, in the, in this super bowl, but we're going to get back there next year and we're going to play better. 
Um, But speaking of that NFC championship, I feel like I have to talk about that because I brought it up and I wanted to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) Watching, watching that pass interference live. My first thought was, Oh damn, that was a pass interference. We just lost the game. Oh yeah. (laughs) That, that was what I thought. No, I saw no flag and I was like, okay, it must have been closer than I thought. It must've been a bang, bang play. They've been, they've been going pretty loose. Like they were just letting him play. The first replay I thought, Oh, that's pass interference and helmet to helmet. (laughs) Yeah. Even if we win this game, there's going to be an asterisk. Um, so I wasn't excited. Um, and somebody asked me how, after the game, how I felt. And this is what I told him. I'd feel a lot worse for the saints if the refs hadn't already missed three face mask calls against the Rams and one PI on the previous drive, they would have given him first and goal that would have changed the game. Mm. It wasn't as clear as this one, but it was, it was a pretty bad pass interference. I would yeah. also felt really bad if the game had ended right then, if that was the end of the game with that pass interference and we just won off that play, I'd feel a lot worse, but no, the Rams, I'd feel a lot worse if the Rams didn't drive down the field and Jared Goff didn't look like a hero. And then Legatron did his thing and kicked a tying field goal. I would mm-hmm. feel a hell of a lot worse if what happened in the, the Patriots game where the saints didn't get the ball at all, but they got yeah. the ball first and they turned it over because our defense made a huge play on both the diva line and the secondary. So, yeah, that's that's my big thing is the the Saints. I mean, it, that wasn't what clinched the loss. I mean, it hurt, but throwing the interception in overtime was what clinched the loss. Yeah. Um. And they, otherwise, that's it. You know. They also got stopped on short fields twice to start that game. They were given great field position. Um, one from a Jared Goff interception. I don't remember what the other one is, honestly, but they had two short fields and they couldn't convert. So mm-hmm. I would, I, it's probably, it's, it's definitely the worst no call I've ever seen, but I haven't been oh, watching bad. football. Yeah, I've only watched for football for about 10 years, religiously yeah. anyways. So to, 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 I can't say that it's the worst no call ever, but it's the no, worst no call I've ever seen. I mean, it's right sure. there next to the tuck rule. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get. They're I mean, not wrong. The, yeah. Not wrong. They're they're both going to be infamous for forever. Um. It's just a question of. Well, too too bad. You can rank your sorrows, but yeah. they're still there. They're not changing. And Roby Coleman came out immediately and said, "Yeah, that was pass interference. I was just making sure I didn't give up the play," which is dumb, because mm-hmm. if he had turned and looked at the ball, he had a pick if not a pick mm-hmm. six to win that freaking game. Mm-hmm. But if you, I watched, I watched the play a hundred times. Robbie Coleman was completely out of position to start that play. He takes off running. He sees, he obviously didn't see the ball in the air, but he knew the ball was in the air and he just tackled mm-hmm. the guy. Yep. So it's a bad call. Nothing you can do about it. Now quit. B-ing. Let's play mm-hmm. this game. Let's play this year. Yep. Um, and then that's enough about the Rams. They're, they're going to be great. I predict about 12, maybe 11 wins this year because the division is getting better. Yeah. Um, so the Seahawks, speaking of getting that money, Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson got $140 million 
contract for $35 million a year, which included a $65 million signing bonus. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's a big sign. You you rich. That's a lot of yeah. money. Um, and I, I mean, he bought part of he, – he's a part owner of the Seattle Sounders, Sounders. Yep. Uh, soccer team now. Like him and Macklemore bought that team together with that money. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's doing great. He, and I have no problem with that. He earned it. I don't know if in 2019 I'm giving him that contract. But with how many other huge contracts came out this year and the fact that he hasn't really been paid yet, he he took him to a Super Bowl. He's been consistently yeah. good. He's never been really the reason they lost. So, um, but yeah, they're going to be a run heavy team this year. Um, Chris Carson, if he can stay healthy, is good. I'm used to seeing Rashad Penny destroy Utah State every year from San Diego State. So, <laughs> we'll see if he can he can have a better uh, year two. Yeah. But I mean, they're they're the best wide receivers. Tyler Lockett, you know and I mean, yeah, he's not terrible. But your wide receiver one, you want better than Tyler Lockett. Yeah, you want something solid. Um, and 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 when you think of the Seahawks, you probably think of a great defense. They have the thirty-first ranked secondary now that the Legion of Boom is gone. Mm-hmm. That secondary is weak. Yeah. They have the twenty-third ranked O line. That, yeah. that's not great when you're going to be running heavy, like. As much as you want to say your running back is great, most of those yards are coming from your offensive line. So to have a have a mediocre to bad offensive line isn't great. Biggest news because of the weekend, though, for the freaking Seahawks is they got a steal in Jadavian Clowney. Um, so you 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 asked me why why Jadavian Clowney was pissed, and and, and here it is. Um. They franchise tagged him as a linebacker for the second year in a row. This year, as a linebacker, he would have under the franchise tag he would have made fifteen point four million dollars a year. As a defensive end, he would have made seventeen point one million dollars a year. They did the same thing last year, and he made a fuss about it. They knew he was going to make a fuss about it this year. They, I believe, they promised him that they were going to pay him more this year, and they screwed him over. He played 532 snaps at defensive end and 255 as a linebacker. <laughs> I believe you should have given him a, a contract, but if you're not, at least give him the $17.1 million <laughs> defensive end franchise tag that he's earned for your team. Um, yeah. And, and what, what, what did Houston get? A third rounder that they get back, or that the Seahawks get back if they don't re sign Clowney. Because Clowney's only on a one-year deal at this point, they got linebacker Jacob Martin, who looked decent at the end of last year, but no major upgrade there. And the former former first-round pick Barkevius Mingo, who they were likely going to drop anyways. Like, this was a steal. Javian Clowney is an amazing player. He brings so much to your team. Uh, I can't believe, I can't believe you basically gave him away. Um, and so, we'll, really quick, while we're on the ten, since I want to talk about their other trade for Laramie Tunsil. 
Um, they gave up a first round this year or next year, and then a first round the next year, and then a second rounder from from next year for a, a, a left tackle that they really need. But Tunsil isn't. I don't even know if he's top ten. Like he's probably fighting for a top ten position as a left tackle. And Kenny Stills, who, who's a great deep threat, which I guess it, you want for, for Deshaun Watson, but they already have Hopkins. Like, I just don't know how much Stills adds to that, to that offense, and I don't know. I think they just, both their trades were awful. They gave away too much for what what they got back. Um, and from this trade, it's clear that the Dolphins are not trying to compete for, definitely not this year probably not even next year they're probably tanking for two years honestly if at this point don't tank for Tua tank for Lawrence Mm -hmm. like next year pick up some offensive linemen pick up some offensive weapons so that when you get this star quarterback he doesn't get murdered because your offensive line is ranked 32nd and you gave up your best Mm -hmm. player and and that's about as much as what I want to talk about the Seahawks. They'll be they'll be great yeah. this year. I think they'll be fighting for a wild card spot. Um but people people have them potentially winning the division. I don't I don't see oh, that. Oh I no, I don't see that happening. So um the next team that could be a surprise is the 49ers. Um mm. they have Jimmy G who when he left Pretty the Patriots good. thought he was better than Tom Brady. So Yeah. I mean, if if we went off just that, they they would be fighting for this division. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, we have a low sample size. He has looked good in the regular season and not so great in the preseason this year. Mm-hmm. So, like, who knows what we're gonna get game to game? Like, if yeah. he's as good as as the hype was for him, this is gonna be a competitive team. But yeah. if not, they're gonna look like they did last year, where they're like a six seven win team. They're going to steal a game from somebody they probably shouldn't have beaten. But if not, I mean, they have Matt Breda, who's okay. Like, yeah, decent. I don't think he's fighting for top 10, but, you know, he's he's up there. And then they signed uh, Tevin Coleman, who's best known for vulturing away touchdowns from Devonta Freeman owners in fantasy football. I think that's the only thing he's known for outside of Atlanta. Um, and then they, they picked up Debo Samuel from the wide receiver from South Carolina, who should be all right. They did pick up Nick Bosa from Ohio State, and Nick Bosa should be should be a, a good pick. Um, and then they also picked up D Ford, who, if he can learn where the line of scrimmage is, is a really good player. Um, but they do have the 16th best O-line, 29th secondary, even with Richard Sherman and Jason Verrett. Um, they're just not going to be very good defensively and offensively unless Jimmy G's really great. They're going to be lackluster. Um, they, the biggest thing, though, is both the Seahawks and the 49ers picked up pass rushers. And I did mention that Jared Goff struggles under pressure, so he's going to have to learn real quick. Or um, he's going to have a, a rough in-division year. Um, and then finally in the division, we have the Cardinals. 
Um, the Cardinals are up in the air, but I, I, I think they're going to need a couple of years. You can't go from the rank 32 offense in one year and just be spectacular the next year. Even with Kyler Murray, I mean, he's a great passer. He, he keeps his eyes downfield, even though he's a great runner. Even when he's scrambling, he's keeping his eyes downfield, and he can make a throw on the run almost as good as anyone, if not better than anyone. Uh, I have zero doubts about Murray other than his height. We'll see how it plays in a real game, but I think they'll be able to work around it. I don't yeah, think I mean, be that Drew Brees isn't a big guy either, so yeah. you can be successful. Yeah, uh, and like I said, I don't think that'll stop him, but people who are smarter than me tell me it will, so <laughs> who cares? Um, but my, my, my doubts are everyone else. Everyone else. Um, Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury couldn't win at college. That's my thing. I'm not confident in Cliff. Yeah, like, yes, he's bringing an air raid offense, but it wasn't like it was a super successful air raid offense. They weren't no. winning games. Like, how if you, I believe Texas Tech was in a better position to win games than the Cardinals are this year. Yeah. So, like, if he can't win at Texas Tech, how can he win with the Cardinals? Yeah, uh, that's it. They have a terrible D-line. Um, their offensive line, we saw it last year, awful. It's awful. Um, they're, they're, their secondary is good. It's the sixth and secondary when Patrick Peterson's playing. And mm-hmm. uh, he's suspended for the first six games because he's an idiot and took PEDs. Or at mm-hmm. least he's an idiot and got caught taking PEDs. Yeah. Um, and and their best wide receiver is either the 75-year-old Fitzgerald, who's never going to retire, or Christian yeah. Kirk, who looks like a wide receiver, too. Um, yeah. I'm not expecting great things from the Cardinals this year. I think their ceiling's maybe eight, 500, but probably closer to five or six wins, and more likely three to four wins. So if you're a Cardinals fan, find someone else to root for for a year. Um um, and then moving to the to the NFC North with uh, the Packers, um, Aaron Rodgers, if he can stay healthy, is a top five quarterback, and he has a chip on his shoulder this year. Uh, they were held out of the playoffs last year. Um, he's just a great player. I think I think the drama between him and Matt Lafleur is over exaggerated, unless they start losing a lot. I think I think if if they start losing a lot. It, it could be an issue, um, but it, but I think Matt Lafleur um, is overall a makes this offense better. Um, they they have the the ranked eighth offensive line with the best le- left tackle in the game, David Bakhtiari, and their center and right tackle are good as well. Um, Aaron Rodgers was was not Aaron Rodgers. Jeez. Aaron Jones was really good last year, but he wasn't given much chance to touch the ball. I believe uh, Matt Lafleur will give him that chance. I think he's going to be a he's going to be a standout running back this year, and he's, he's someone to watch. And then they have Devonte Adams, who's in my opinion the best wide receiver in the league. Um, I, I he's just he's great. He he can line up anywhere. He can play any position. He can run any route. Um, he's just great. Um, so, uh, and then I, the, the defense is what, what, what was the big question was last year and, uh, they're going to have a better D this year. 
Um, they have Adrian Amos, the, the safety. Preston Smith, they picked up at the outside linebackers. Zadarius Smith, offensive offensive linebacker. <laughs> outside linebacker. Um, and then they drafted Rashawn Gary out of Michigan and Darnell Savage um, at safety. Um, so I think they've made a lot of a lot of moves in their defense, which is where they were really weak last year. I, I think their offense gets gets better and their defense gets better. Uh, I have them winning the NFC North. Um, I think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender this year. Um, the other team in this in this division I could see winning the division is the Bears, um, and that's all because of the great defense. Um, but I don't trust Trubisky. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. Um, He's great when the game is scripted. Um, if he had to play a regular game of football, he would be a bottom 16 quarterback. Um, but Nagy tries to tries to, to write up schemes that makes him look better, um, and so far it's working, but I I just don't think he's very good. And then the defense, I expect their turnovers to regress, um, which is how they won games last year because their offense wasn't very good. They won one one because their defense puts put them in positions to win the games and and they didn't their offense didn't turn over the ball as much. Um, they have a top two secondary with Kyle Fuller, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson was amazing last year. He's probably one of my favorite uh, defensive backs to watch. Um, and then. They have Tariq Cohen, Mike Davis, and David Montgomery, uh, the third pick, third round pick out of Iowa State. The run back, running backs are good. They have a top ten O line. I think the big thing is we've seen this off off season. Maggie's stuck on that missed field goal. He's stuck on that missed kick, um, and uh, I think he's forgetting that kick was freaking tipped, and it, and it still almost went in. It double double doinked it. The, the biggest thing for me is Cody Parker is better than the kickers they've tried out that I've seen. Like they got rid of a Gord court, uh, kicker because his kick was tipped and uh, they lost him the game. I think Nagy's stuck on that and I think they uh, take a step back. Um, and then going from there, we have the Vikings. Um <laughs> I trust Kirk Cousins even less than Trubisky when the game's on the line. If it's a primetime game or important game, Kirk Cousins is is not going to be great. Even when, even when it's not, I don't. He's not a top ten quarterback. Maybe top sixteen quarterback, but I just I I don't think Kirk Cousins is very good. Um, Gary Kubiak, they picked up as their offensive advisor slash assistant coach slash whatever um after two years off i don't know how much that changes things he was more run oriented and they do have oh, gary kubiak uh they do have uh dalvin cook who before he was injured last year looked amazing um i was really impressed with dalvin cook i think he's gonna be a great player um but overall i think the vikings are fighting for 500 um i don't think they're a playoff contender um and then you got the Lions who who picked up Trey Flowers in the dra- and then they drafted um TJ Hawkinson and they picked up CJ Anderson. Um I just don't think that's enough. They did they did add three players into their secondary because their secondary isn't very good. But um 
I don't know. I think it's going to take a couple more years for the Lions to be good. I, I really do like Matt Patricia. I think he's a great coach. Um, hopefully he can turn this organization around and get some wins, but I'll believe it when I see it because so far I'm not impressed. Um, and then the NFC East, uh, we got the Eagles. Um, if Carson Wentz is healthy, he is a, he's fighting for a top-five quarterback position. He is, he's he's great at throwing the deep ball. He's uh, great under pressure. Um, and they picked up uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Deshaun Jackson to bolster an already strong wide receiver core with Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, and um, the other wide receiver I can't think of right now. Um, and they also picked up Miles Sanders and uh, Jordan Howard. Um, and then the defensive tackle, Malik Jackson. Um, they did lose Michael Bennett um, for only a fifth rounder. I think that was a steal for the Patriots. But um, they have the best off- offensive line in football with Jason Peters and Jason Kelly. Um, Their front seven is at least top ten. Um, they have a, Like I said, they have a top ten receiving core. My only question is their their secondary. I think their secondary needs work. According to PFF, they're the 21st ranked secondary, which a lot of these top teams that you're going to be playing in the in the playoffs are deep threat people who are going to test that secondary. Um, so I think that's that's where they lose some games this year is they get get beat by some better quarterbacks. But overall, I think they win the division, and so far are the favorites to win the NFC. Um, the next team in the NFC East who probably thinks they're going to win the NFC East is the Cowboys, uh, <laughs> and they're not. What no. Zeke, no Zeke, they're not going to win the NFC East. Oh, I, I do want to say really quick to those listening, we are recording this Tuesday night. So far, Zeke does not have a deal. Um, by Thursday, he could have a deal. I'm skeptical. I don't think that. Zeke is back week one, week two, but all the headlines say that they're close to reaching a deal. So I guess we'll see maybe. in a couple of days how wrong I am. Uh, yeah, maybe. But uh, so first off with Dink and Dak Prescott, who if you listen to Skip Bayless is, yeah. is, a, is, is a really, really, really good quarterback. He's, he's better than Wentz and better than Goff. He's not. No. He, if you look at his numbers, his completion percentage is probably higher, and we'll talk about this a little bit um, with Daniel Jones. But his <laughs> completion percentage is probably higher. I haven't looked at it to be honest. I just assume it's a little bit higher because his average depth of throw is is less than eight yards. It's one. Mm-hmm. Of, it's the bottom ten in the league. He throws a lot. He does a lot of dinking and dacking. All right. He uh, mm-hmm. does the short throws. Um, I, think, I mean, it's efficient. Yeah, it is efficient, and and it is doing pretty great. But he's not. I don't know. I I don't think that makes you a great quarterback to no. make the the easy throws. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> I believe Dak Prescott barely deserves thirty million dollars a year, and the only reason I think he deserves thirty million dollars a year is because of all these other contracts that are going up. But right, because yeah. they decided to wait on this. Um, contract, they're probably going to have to pay more than that because Carson Wentz got thirty-two got million. Yeah. Um, Jared Goff just got thirty-three million. 
Um, so he's likely going to have to, they're probably going to have to pay him more. And he's, it's, they don't have that much cap space between this and the Z holdout. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They, 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 they just extended Jalen Smith at $64 million over five years. Um, I don't remember the exact contract, but they just extended Leal Collins, their right tackle. They still have Byron Jones and Robert Quinn coming up next year, Amari Cooper next year. Um, yeah. I think it's too late, but they should have traded Zeke. I, 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 I know there's only a few people in the world that agree with me, but they should have traded Zeke. And it's not hmm. because I think Tony Pollard is this amazing running back that's going to blow the league away. You just... I have an issue paying a running back that much regardless. <laughs> but he's had so many off-the-field issues so far that he's this a liability at this point. Um, and I don't think the Cowboys need him to be a playoff team. It, no, I think, yeah, it's the line that's that's doing the work for Zeke and another running back can continue to succeed there. Yeah, watching Zeke, he doesn't do anything that special. Like I, I really, really want to see him on another team just to see. I don't know if he's a top three running back if he's not at the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, I honestly don't. I, I, I don't think he's that special of a running back. I think he benefits a lot from his offensive line. And he's great, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's probably the top five either way. But I think without his offensive line, we wouldn't be talking as the top running back in the league. Who's Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley, by the way? It's not Zeke. If you mm-hmm. think it's Zeke, you're wrong. Um <laughs> Um, but the first three games that the, the Cowboys play, and I know a lot of people have talked about this, but the first three games they play are the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. I think what's, what's good is to let Zeke hold out for those three games. See how well Dak Prescott does when he can't rely on Zeke. If you smash those games like you should, Zeke is going to have to come back for less than he yeah. If If you lose... One or two of those games, you're gonna have to pay Zeke. Like, mm-hmm. but they, they, I, 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 just, I would have traded him. I think there's a, another team that'd be willing to make him the top pay, paid running back mm-hmm. who can, who has the cap space to do it. I don't, I don't think the Cowboys have the cap space to do it, and I don't think they need Zeke to win games. Yeah. Um, so that's I'm gonna leave it at that. They have a top ten front seven with Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith, who deserves the money he just got paid. Um, and then their 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 secondary is middle of the pack with Byron Jones and Xavier Woods. Uh, their defense is good. Their offense is pretty good. I, I I really wish Dak was better deep, but he's not. So what can you do? Um, yeah. The Giants, I don't want to talk about anything other than the fact that they lost Odell Beckham Jr. and Daniel Jones' stats are heavily um, inflated. Uh, yeah, inflated. Um, so if you just oh yeah, he's not going to do well. He he might be okay, but he's not going to he's not going to be a great quarterback. Oh, right. Let me let me just read you his stats really quick though. He has an eighty-five point three completion percentage. <laughs> he's two for zero for touchdown interception rating. And his passer rating is nearly perfect at 137.3. Uh, if you just look at his stats, yeah, you would think, oh, my God, how have they not just murdered like, Eli Manning? Like, yeah. he should be like, 
gone full go there. De facto, the, to the game one. But then you start looking at it and you realize that their starting off offensive line has played 60 snaps. That's yeah. three times as many um, as Eli has played, and that's three times as many. A lot of a lot of teams didn't even play their starting offensive line in the, the preseason. In the preseason, yeah. yeah I don't goodness. know how good Daniel Jones is going to be. I don't think he's going to be that great. But no. you just got to look. Most of his passes are super short, easy passes. There's a reason that it took until like the fourth game, I believe, to score a touchdown. Because he was just throwing short, easy catches. His numbers are inflated. Who cares about the rest of the Giants? They're going to be maybe five or six win team. Yeah. And then you have the Redskins, who Dwayne Haskins, I believe, is going to be a better better quarterback than Daniel Jones, but um, I think they should start Case Keenum. I don't think there's any reason to start Dwayne Haskins week one. He doesn't look like he's ready. He's, mm. He he uh, didn't start that much in college. Like I think I think he can benefit heavily playing behind Case Keenum for s- 10 games. Okay. Um, Basically have him for end of the season, get him ready, and then next year have him have it be his team. They're not going to be competing for the playoffs either way. Yeah. So, and and some people might re- hear that and think, okay, then just play in week one. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, one, I don't think he's prepared to take on NFL defenses. I think, yeah. and, and, and if you, it's a lot worse if you start and then bench Dwayne Haskins for Case Keenum than if you start Case Keenum and then halfway through the season say, okay, you're done and start Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I mean, it's similar to, I mean, this is, I don't like pulling it back that much, but it's like what last year BYU did a little bit with Tanner Mangum and Zach Wilson. Their early games uh, that they struggled through, they had Zach, or they had Tanner Mangum in there. And then when they switched to Zach Wilson and games got easier, you know, or it was just the end of the season turnaround there was more excitement. There was, there was a better feeling around it. Um, and it gave a different level of, okay, next year will be our year. Right. And it's kind of the same idea of like, okay, even if case kingdom goes in and suffers through the first 10 games of the year, and then the next 10, it's a little bit better, but not really. It gives a different feeling towards the following season. Right. And I, I'll, I'll say, I think that you do the same thing with Eli Manning. Like, I think this has to be Eli Manning's last year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a terrible idea to start him for six games, and then yeah. when he's when you guys are one in five, and and mm-hmm. you can bench Eli Manning, and in comes Daniel Jones, who probably will look better than Eli Manning, who looks yeah. like a dead carcass out there these days. So, yeah. um, yeah, but both of those teams are not going to be fighting for the division. Both these teams are should wait on their quarterbacks and uh, both these teams. I don't really care to talk about anymore. So going to the NFC North. All right. Um, this was the toughest division for me to pick. Um, I think, I think the uh, NFC West and NFC East could have upsets, but I think mm-hmm. for me, it's the Rams and the, and the Eagles are clearly at the top of that division um, to start the year. I don't, I think mm-hmm. anyone who, who says otherwise is crazy or a Cowboys <laughs> freaking skip Bayless. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So NFC North, <laughs> starting with who who we talked about a little bit early in in, in the Saints. Um, I I have them winning this division. Wait, you have who winning the division? The Saints. In what division? The NFC North. Did I put? Did I put the? Oh, NFC South. I was going to say that'd be quite the year for the Saints to win the NFC North. Yeah, they're going to be so good. They're just going <laughs> to win the NFC North. See, I know they're in the NFC North, but apparently in my notes I put NFC. Or I know they're in the. <laughs> I said it again. I know they're in the NFC South, but in my notes they were in the NFC North, and so I just read off NFC North. And All right. right. And so. So thank you for catching that. Um, that was good. <laughs> anyways, so the Saints are going to win the NFC South. Or okay. I think I, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say this. I think they're positioned the best to win the NFC South starting the year. And that okay. comes down to one thing, and that's Drew Brees. At yeah. the end of last year, he looked old. He looked tired. Um, uh-huh. I don't think he looks – I think he, he, he has a great beginning of the season. But I think this is a potential Carson Palmer year. You probably don't remember the last year of Carson Palmer, but he he was decent, decent, decent. Cliff to like dog doo doo Eli Manning, like. Um, oh yeah. Like I Drew mean, Brees, I feel like that's pretty normal for quarterbacks. Like it is. You Peyton can Manning did the exact same drop. thing. Peyton Manning yeah. is one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and that last season with Denver, he got benched. Like he did. Bring the, he did win the Super Bowl with the team, mm-hmm. but he looked. But it was the defense. Awful. That yeah, won it was the it. defense that won their offense. He looked awful. He looked, he looked. So I think Drew Brees had the potential of it to drop off this year. He's getting old. He showed it last year. He did have a ninety-four point seven PFF grade that, for the season last year, though. So he did look pretty good for the regular season. People were talking about him for MVP before Mahomes just. Blew you know, up, shut yeah. that shut that conversation down. Uh, and I'll say this: um, I think picking up Latavius Murray for uh, Mark Ingram is a downgrade. I think Mark Ingram is clearly the better the better running back here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Latavius Murray isn't bad, but uh, Ingram's just much better. Um, yeah. And then Thomas Michael Thomas got that that contract this year, and again, he earned every penny of that thing. That this guy's a monster. He's He's productive. He's he's just amazing hands. He just he's great. Mm-hmm. But then, besides him, you have who? Ted Ginn Jr., <laughs> Traquan Smith, who's the second year out of UCF. I mean, he had one standout week last week or last year. I mean, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the season, he was he was he was awful. Um, yeah. And then they have the thirty-two-year-old Jared Cook, who has one touchdown in two years. Yeah. That, that, that's. That's abysmal. For a, yeah. uh, they do have a great front seven with Cam Jordan, D- David Onyemata, Sheldon Rankins, but they lost Al- Alex Okafor. Um, but apparently they think his replacement, Marcus Davenport, will pick up right where Okafor left off. So mm-hmm. um, apparently they're great. their front seven is just going to be dressed as good as last year. And they're, they're, ar- 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 they're offensive line. Jeez. They're offensive. Uh, has... Probably has the arguable best um, tackle duo in Ryan Ramchak, who's the best right tackle in the game, and then Taron Armstead, who's a high grading left left tackle. Um, the big thing is they did lose uh, Max Unger, um, and they replaced him with a rookie center, Eric McCoy, out of Texas A&M. Um, 
You play you play the Rams week two. You don't think Aaron Donald's gonna try and make <laughs> that rookie look silly? Yeah. Um so I I think the Saints do do win this division, but I think towards the end of the year, Drew Brees, regardless of if it's a Carson Palmer year, I think he'll look even more tired than he did last year and will do worse than he did last year. But at least for the start of the season, they'll be a great team. Um, yeah. The other team that I could see winning this division is the Falcons. Um, yeah. I mean, Falcons I think, are generally pretty good. Yeah. I, I think the Falcons are pretty consistently good every year. Um, yeah. And I think that starts with Matty Ice. All right. This dude's underrated. He's just so consistently good. Um, mm-hmm. He's not a top five quarterback, but he is just consistently good year in and year out. Um, they had a defensive or a defensive Jesus. They have a decent O line, and they went and spent the two first round picks on a guard and a tackle who are expected to start this year. So we'll see. Uh, like two 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 rookies on the offensive line is scary. Um, <laughs> they do get yeah. Devonta Freeman back after missing all last season to a sports hernia surgery, whatever that is. Um, mm. he's 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 good. He's a top ten running back in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have a really good wide receiver core with Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, and Calvin Ridley with Austin Hooper at a uh, tight end. Yeah, um, I think I mean I think that's just a great duo. De- definitely top ten. Um, right now, PFF is is projecting them to have the sixteenth ranked secondary. But they're really hoping that Robert Alford and Desmond Trufant can get back to form and play like they have in the past. Because if they do, that could be a top 10 secondary. Um, yeah. The big things for the Falcons and the big reason why I think they, they could upset the Saints here is they play 13 games this year in a dome. That's, hmm. that's big. They, they play the, the Vikings week one. Like if okay. you have to go and play in Minnesota, I'd want to play there week one. Um, yeah. So... And they did get uh, Matt Bryant back, their all-time scorer. Yeah. Uh, he's a great kicker. He's getting old, but I didn't think it was time for him to – I didn't think they should have cut him, so I'm glad they got him back. Yeah. Um, there's just not that many kickers. No. Uh, you can see that with the Bears. Like. Uh, yeah, I love the idea of Carly Lloyd. I like that she said she's going to take another year to work out and like actually take it seriously, but I think it would be cool. Yeah. And she, I, there's I not she, many. She, she's she she showed she can kick the ball and she doesn't yeah. have any of the technique down. Like I think, I think after a year she could be great. Like, yeah. and the big thing I've heard from people is, oh, but she wouldn't be able to tackle. I'm scared that she would get destroyed. One, she's a kicker. Like, yeah. kickers do not get hit. It it's a penalty like, unless you, you go through the ball to hit them. Right. Yeah. The only time you can hit a kicker is if you run through them. And let's be honest. How many kickers make that who aren't named Pat McAfee in the past like ten years have made yeah, big, for real. like defensive tackles in the back? Like it's it's not something that you're gonna miss. She's gonna throw herself at your legs and if you fall down, great. If not, she did her job. Like Yeah. Well if it gets to like, the kicker, your your special team's already already lost it. Like if if he if like if I if she's the reason that, that you gave up a touchdown that's yeah. That's you probably were gonna give it up with failed. any other yeah. kicker, anyways. I don't see yeah. many, very many kickers making big tackles. So yeah, Sebastian Janikowski, one of the bigger <laughs> kickers, 
famously would not tackle people well. Like yeah. he would lazily go towards them. Yeah, so was... how much effort she puts in, is it really that different from any other kicker in the league? No. And uh, I think she could kick the ball better than at least half of the kickers in the league. Yeah. Like, That'd be pretty sweet. Like the biggest thing for kickers is being able to ha- handle the pressure. And I think if you're somebody who's played and succeeded in a world cup, I think you've shown you can, you can compete under pressure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think people who are counting her out are crazy. Like, yes, she like, it is something that she's going to have to learn, mm-hmm. but she already knows how to kick hard. Yeah. She just knows how she just needs to learn technique of how exactly to put that on the ball. Yeah. Like, yeah. For me, the biggest thing I think will be for her is the idea that there will be 11 people at a close distance trying to get to her. Not like, to get to her, straight to get to the ball, though. To like, get to like the I ball, said. but very aggressively compared to what she's used to in penalty kick situations and in things like that, where I, I think she'll be fine. I don't think it'll be a big deal, but that's where I think it'll be more than anything, the, the mental transition there. I, I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely not wrong. Like, that's something she's going to have to get used to, but I think... I don't know. I think if somebody doesn't give her a shot and she wants one, they're crazy. Like I think. Yeah, I agree. I think. I don't know. So I think she can see. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, Falcons are gonna be fighting for a wild card, possibly still the NFC South if the Saints start to mm-hmm. lose at the end of the season, or if the losing in the NFC Championship does end up, you know, making them salty and they just have more of a Super Bowl hangover than the Rams did. Um, um, but anyways, uh, Panthers, I, the Panthers could be a nine and seven team this year. Okay. Um, they could be, but, uh, I think that's mostly on Cam Newton. Um, he's got to bounce back from his shoulder surgery injury. And I, uh, I believe it was on his throwing arm. I'm not sure, but he did not look good before he, he took that surgery. He did. So we'll see. It's a big surgery to come back from, but he is mm-hmm. a bit, he is a great player. He does lead the team well. He does is a great thrower of the ball, and he, mm-hmm. I think he needs to take less hits, which means he probably should be leaving the pocket a little bit less. Um, yeah, or else you're gonna end up like Michael Vick, where minus the the the, the 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 betting on the dogs. Yeah, the, just gonna, yeah, minus the dog fight. Your your, your career is yeah. gonna end <laughs> because you took too many hits. Um, yeah, and it's uh, hard. Willing have taken too many hits. I think that's the one of the big things like I'll say about Will Greer. I think he's too willing to take sacks. He stays in the pocket trying to get the the big deep downfield ball and he'll take sacks that he didn't need to take. And he fumbles a lot when he gets hit. Um mm-hmm. don't like his footwork. His arm talent is 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 pretty average for somebody who loves the deep ball. Yeah. But I think he could be decent. Like I don't could work. I, I, I I'll he'll work. I just don't I don't I don't see him being a top 10 quarterback. No, no, not at all. And then uh, the pinnacle of this offense, the man I love watching more than any other in this, in this division anyway, Christian McCaffrey. Oh yeah. Oh mama. This, this dude. Good. We used to sit at our apartment in college and watch this dude mm-hmm. just run over defenses in Stanford. He was, he was great. the kind of guy who could, who could line up at any spot in the ball and play well. So oh yeah, he's just he amazing. Awesome. Um, 
but again, you look at their wide receiver core. They have DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Jarius Wright, and a very old Greg Olson who's coming back from injury. Like, mm-hmm. That's not a great wide receiver thro- to be throwing to. Like you're going to be relying heavily on Christian McCaffrey. Like, yeah. If you get Christian McCaffrey in your league, I think you 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 you're going to do great in fantasy. It's a good spot. Yeah. I Real honestly, I was planning on taking him first overall. I wasn't going to take Barkley. I was going to take Christian McCaffrey. Um, but I'm crazy. So. Yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> a risky. Like, yeah, that's risky there. Yeah. But I it can is, see what you're I, saying. I, 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 I just think, gotta take risks. Um, and I, I, Saquon Barkley is the best running back in the league. I just want to go back and reiterate that he's yeah. the best running back in the league. I just think in a in a PPR league, Christian McCaffrey just offers a little bit more in the the pass game. And, okay. Uh, I think Cam Newton's going to be relying on him a little bit this year. Not that uh, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones aren't going to be relying on Saquon Barkley, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I see what you're saying. Anyways, um, and then I don't know how much I want to say about the Buccaneers. We're kind of getting late here, but uh, I'll just say this is the the make it or break it year for Jameis Winston. Hopefully, mm-hmm. Bruce Arians can can coach him and make him a good a good player because he's been really inconsistent. Um, yeah. So and he's had some a lot of off field issues. He's had a lot of attitude issues. I just. If Bruce Arians can't turn this around, get rid of him, draft a quarterback next year. And, uh, you know, maybe... Tank for Tua. Yeah, I was going to say, last week I th- I said there was only two teams tanking for Tua, but I think the Buccaneers could be on that. Crazily mm-hmm. enough, though, I think the Buccaneers, if Jameis Winston is good, is fighting for 9-7 and seven and, and maybe a wildcard spot. Yeah. Maybe not, if, they were, if they were in, well, all of the NFC North... Or not NFC. All of the NFC divisions are a lot harder than the AFCs. Um, yeah. And it's hard to say. If he was in any of the NFC divisions, he'd do great. But, um, and, yeah. Uh, and the only other thing I'll say is uh, they picked up Ndamukha Sue to bolster their 30th ranked front seven from last year. Apparently, Sue's been killing it in training camp but i'm pretty sure we heard the same thing out of rams training camp last year <laughs> and then for the first 16 games of the season he was non-existent yeah um, and uh the buccaneers aren't going to have a postseason this year most likely they just yeah. they have a really battle line and their secondary is ranked 32nd uh yeah. they've, they've spent five picks in the first three rounds the past two years on their secondary so hopefully it gets better but yeah, it's just the Buccaneers. Not, not, not a positive uh, outlook there. Yeah, I think all signs point to the Buccaneers not having a great season. Um, yeah. Other than Bruce Arians, who I think will be okay. Um, so I just, I'm not going to actually uh, predict the or preview these games at all. I'm just going to give you my uh, upsets of the week. Um, okay. I have the Packers beating the Bears in Chicago. I have Atlanta beating the Vikings in Minnesota. And then I'm not 100% sure that the Steelers are going to beat the Patriots, but I definitely have them covering with five and a half points this week. Oh, okay. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to shock some people this year. I think they're, like I said last week, I think they're a Super Bowl mm-hmm. contender. I think they're top three in the AFC. Um, I think 
I think they're going to come out swinging. It's a good um, shot. Yeah. I so, mean, that's a that's a chance to prove themselves. So that yeah, should be good. Yeah, it's a great week one. So um, other than that, follow us at OC Bystanders on Twitter, and I'll be tweeting all week about the games. Um, so thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.